BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. This is a more than just podcast production. Welcome to SpotCast, Season 4, Episode 18. This week we'll be talking about the Discovery Season 4 premiere. Premiere? Premiere, yeah. Premiere. Um, Depends if you're yeah. American or British. <laughs> yeah. Is it, well, what is it Canadian? So what do we do? The accent, the, the accent for for Americans would be premiere. So mere is like the second part of the word. But when I listen to like British broadcasters for like soccer or football, as they call it, they put it as prem ear. So the prem is one word and ear is and the we other say, one. And we say it with uh, with French influence. Why we say premiere. Premiere. Premier. Yeah, exactly. Welcome to the multicultural show that is podcast. <laughs> Bonjour, mes amis. Comment Bienvenue. ça va? Welcome. Bienvenue au episode 4. Uh, no, six, I don't know if season. Season 4. Season 4. Episode, uh, oh, this is, I have always had trouble with uh, numbers. This uh, week. 18 is... What? This week. This week. Okay. No, it's the it's the seventy and the sixty that will throw me off, right? Oh. Uh, yeah. So saison saison cat episode. How do you say episode in French? Uh, oh, that's a good one. I don't know if I know that one. Episode. I don't know. Uh, saison cat episode dix-huit. <laughs> Mon nom est Timitra. J'ai je suis un Juno avion dans Toronto, <laughs> mais je attends avec Jonathan Coulain dans Mississauga Ontario. Bonjour. Mais je veux avoir de la podcast de uh, par excellent co-host Jaime Lopez Jr. dans Seattle, Washington. How's it going? <laughs> And we're right back on the ground. Mario, Mario. Formula, formula, formula. I really no was attempt. hoping you were going to go with Spanish. I really was. 
Formidable, formidable. C'est magnifique. Ouais. Ok, okay. Uh, je suis. Nous, 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 nous continuons avec le fact-check. <laughs> uh, dans anglais, I think. Yes. Yes. Dans anglais. Anglais. Yeah, so last week I mentioned the movie Earthquake. And as soon as I said it was O.J. Simpson, I thought to myself, you know, I don't think that was O.J. Simpson. In fact, it was Shaft. Say it with me. Richard Roundtree. Shut your mouth. Um, yeah, and he. Thank you. That's that's what I was hoping for. He um he was playing a like a like a evil Knievel type character with like a leather yellow leather you know outfit on. And he was doing a jump, and as he did the jump, of course the earthquake hit. So I, I can't remember if he survived the jump or not. But uh, that was also a movie that starred Charlton Heston as you know the main sort of mayor, I think. And then Ava Gardner was in that one. George Kennedy, Lauren Green, Jean V. Bougeau, who's the connection to this show. Because she was supposed to be um, Janeway. not Captain Janeway, but was she supposed to be Janeway or Le Janeway? <laughs> Le Janeway. Uh, um, Capitaine Janeway. Um, and Walter Matthau. Walter Matthau, um, funnily enough, was a friend of the director, and he his role was the drunk. And he, he jokingly asked the guy to list him in the credits as Walter Machukanawaski. <laughs> Which they apparently did. Anyway, it was just like back then, like there was like disaster movies, Poseidon Adventure, I think it was the first one. And then they had Towering Inferno and yeah, it was like a big thing in the 70s. And sense around speakers mm. with the big giant speaker systems that they put into the theaters when you saw these movies. And they were huge. They were like, you know, the size of a Buick on each side of the screen. Right. And um uh, they had to stop using them in some theaters because they were they shook the building so much that plaster would fall from the ceiling during the earthquake scenes, right? And which would, of course, you know, like that's like a total plausible, right? Like, anyway. Um, and also I mentioned uh, Otto Preminger as the star of Goldfinger when in fact it was Gert Frobe. I'm, I'm not, probably, probably not even pronouncing that correctly. Anyway, that he was the person who played Goldfinger, not Otto Preminger. Yeah, Gert Probe is, is you, you got it. It's not that not yeah. that complicated. It just looks ugly. Yeah, what's well, the it's the um umlaut in there? Yeah, it just means sounded like an O. Yeah, and last week's episode they talked about Class M planets. So we looked it up. But Jaime put a link in there. I had a link in the show notes, but we didn't really talk about it very much. But Class M stands came from the Vulcan Mish Mish Minshara Minshara yeah. class planet, uh, moon or planetoid. It was considered to be super suitable for human suitable for humanoid life. In fact, Vulcan by definition is not suitable for humanoid life. So I don't know how Amanda survived, but. And it's also Class M was first used in The Cage, which was actually the very first episode of, you know, where they define what Class M is in the very first episode of Star Trek, which became, which didn't premiere. It was premiered with, um, oh, I can't forget what it's called now, the, the one where Kirk gets taken over by a, a woman scientist. But, um, and they all, it was also mentioned in Talos, uh, the planet Talos 4 was in the cage, but of course it's mentioned again a few episodes later in the Menagerie, which which is where they took the cage and made it into a two-parter. So that's the uh, the fact check from last week. And um, so I'm going to hand over headlines to Jonathan. <laughs> Thank you. Well, uh, yeah, let's let's kick things off in the headlines talking about our uh, our, our raison d'être since we're talking French here. Uh, Star Trek really. Discovery. We're gonna uh, we're gonna give you uh, a recap of the first episode of season four because we can, which is something that cannot be said in a lot of places around the world today. So we 
here in Canada and in the United States got to watch the premiere of season four of Star Trek Discovery. In the States, it was on Paramount Plus. Here in Canada, you could watch it on Paramount Plus or you could watch it on CTV Sci-Fi. And the next day, it'll be available on Crave for on-demand viewing. However, the night before the premiere was supposed to go up, all around the world on Netflix, because you'll recall that is where it is airing outside of North America, uh, there was a change. So uh, the story that Deadline reported that CBS Viacom has paid off the deal that brought Discovery to Netflix around the world and has pulled the entire show from the platform with pretty much no notice. And they said, yeah, we're really sorry about that, but we are going to now air it on Paramount Plus, which we are now going to push out in a bunch of other countries, but not until next year. So places like the UK, Ireland, Italy, Germany, Switzerland, Austria, and many more all thought that they were going to be able to start watching season four of Discovery this week, only to find out that it is no longer airing and they can't even watch past episodes because all of it's been pulled off of Netflix International. So that's a bit of a swift kick in the yeah, uh, sucks. Yeah. the uncomfortables yeah. there by the uh, the folks at Paramount Plus. To, to do that on the eve of what was supposed to be the, the season four launch uh, has got to be particularly frustrating. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I was really caught off. I saw, I saw it go across social and I couldn't believe that they made that move. What did you guys think? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say, so what does that mean? Like, I, I miss what you said about like, so if I'm not in the United States or Canada, how am I watching Discovery now? Uh, you Plus? are illegally streaming it or you are not watching it. You're kidding me. No. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you find your 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 buddies in Canada or the United States and say, "Hey, can you FaceTime me while you're you're watching the oh, show, yeah, and we yeah. can just watch together." Sh- it's like, called Share something, isn't it? Share that uh, new feature in iOS 15. Well, I don't know if uh, SharePlay would work if you don't sure. actually have access to the content itself. It's more the old school style of like put your webcam really close to the oh, I see to the TV so I can <laughs> so I can hear it and we can watch. Um, I don't, I don't understand this move like now, like I'm not saying I agree with it or anything, but just like, if I was cynical, greedy person, I would not want to be having any sort of negative PR on the day of my premiere of my, you know, my star show. I would have done this like at least two weeks ago. Right. So people are like, Oh, they're talking about discovery, maybe in a negative way, but at least it brings it to the news, um, at the right time and not clouding the premiere that doesn't make any sense so did they only do this to star trek discovery or just everything that they had contracted to watch on so this is an interesting one so the the story goes on to say that this also leaves other new star trek series in a bit of a state of limbo because uh while netflix had their international rights to discovery which have now been bought back by by paramount cbs viacom the other shows like Picard and Lower Decks are primarily available on Amazon Prime Video internationally. Uh, and <laughs> Prodigy is apparently available outside of its premiere on Nickelodeon's YouTube channel. So all of this is going to be moving to, to Paramount+. Plus. They're going to consolidate this for, for the platforms so that if you want new track, you'll have to have Paramount+. Plus, or if you're in Canada, 
I assume for the duration of this contract with Crave, which again, no guarantees, but yeah, I was going to say like, when does, when do they cut the rest of us off? Well, right? like, is it going to, is it going to be that you only will go to Paramount plus to watch any, any Star Trek kind of stuff? So Paramount plus is planning rapid expansion to the rest of the world. It is already available here in Canada. You can get it. I would be surprised once they do this consolidation, if there isn't an effort to either buy their way out of the contract with CTV Sci-Fi and Crave, or to wait till the end of that contract, at which point they will migrate their content there. If they don't have Star Trek shows to to play, like what is CTV Sci-Fi channel must shut down because that's all they show. Well, Doctor Who. Oh, Doctor. Oh, yes, Doctor Who and Star Trek. Yeah, but they only show that one for an hour a week, right? <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's an an hour a week, and yeah, and that's yeah. Star Trek is like their bread and butter. Yeah, and every night it's like, you know, like, I, you know, I don't know about you, but, I, you know, I think if I watched the last series once, you know, I'm not going to sit down and watch it again and again and again, because they just keep playing it. It's like Friends and, and Seinfeld, they just keep playing it over and over again, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, crazy. Anyway. Yeah, so, I, I mean, I think the moral of this story is, chances are, if you're a Trek fan and you are outside of Canada and the United States, you are... I would wager a large amount of money going to find an illegal means to do this in the short term. Well, you, but well, hang on. It's available on iTunes, of course, right? Like you could buy a season on iTunes if you really wanted to watch it. Is it available and, and on you iTunes didn't already? Give your money. I, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it's not because. Let me, let me have a, just a quick look here. You, you guys vamp and I'll see if it's out there. Yeah, I was going to say because, because I mean, the thing about it is if, I, if I'm already pissed off and I would be with Paramount Plus, I might, you know, like, again, like Jaime, who, who basically, you know, as an example, I'm just using it as an example, Jaime, chooses to, to subscribe to channels based on the content he wants to watch, right? If, mm-hmm. if, if Discovery was the only show that was premiering on on Paramount Plus that you cared about, you might wait until, you know, something else came on on that channel before you subscribe to it, right? So it is not currently available. Season three and one and one and two and three are available on the iTunes store right now. Season four is not yet available. Now, that could be because the premiere is tonight and it'll pop up tomorrow or this weekend or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But right now, that's not even an option. You can't even buy. You can't even go in there and buy the season now, because like, nope. you know you get the season pass or whatever yep. it's called. Right? Nope, doesn't exist. Wow. Yeah, because it's on Cause, Paramount. Because Paramount like wants midnight. your money, right? Yeah. If it does come out in the next couple of days, it is sort of the well. I hope you enjoyed getting spoiled on the internet, folks. Now you'll pay us, you know, three dollars per episode to uh, to have the privilege of of watching it late. Is what that would feel like. Yeah. You know, it almost feels like it'd be better to just not have it on iTunes until the season is over because then it kind of feels more like ah, I didn't want to subscribe to you yeah. know the six dollars a month Paramount Plus so I'll just wait till the whole season's over. All right, that feels less less bad than like oh it's available in iTunes but not exactly at the same exact time it is on Paramount Plus. Yeah, and that's what they do with some shows. So some shows you can watch sort of concurrently to when they're being put out on on television, but some shows they do hold back, like HBO holds its shows back until they're completed. So you couldn't watch episode by episode Game of Thrones. You couldn't watch Mare of East Town. You couldn't watch, uh, you know, so many of their series, Westworld. They wouldn't let you watch them day and date with HBO because they want your eyes on HBO. They want the subscribers. What they do is they wait until the season's over and has been over for, you know, the conclusion of the season and they wait 
for a day or two and then they drop the entire season so that you can do it that way so they can get the extra money on top of that but if you want to watch it in real time for hbo programming you pay hbo and i suspect that's the model the paramount's going to go after which is we'll happily let you buy this season for 25 bucks after we've already produced it and made as much money off of subscriptions as we can well i guess the good news is the adventures of superman the original series is is available <laughs> well, that's it. That that's sort of a bright side. Uh, anyway, so yeah, this this is a real uh, you know. Again, I I don't I, I understand the business reasoning for this, but I think Jaime nailed it, which is why do this with like no notice one day before the season was supposed to drop. Like that is just if they did this to me as a Canadian fan, and we do get our fair share of slaps in the face from big corporations uh, based in the United States. If this had happened to us, I would be irate. And on principle, I would not yeah. subscribe to Paramount Plus. You have to take your soapbox away, definitely. Oh my God! Could you imagine the size of the soapbox <laughs> I'd have pulled out by now? Like I'm mad now, and I'm not even affect, affected by this. I'm, 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 you know, I'm frustrated on behalf of all the people who are feeling this. But, but I watched Discovery today, and it was great. Um, yeah, and, and and we'll get to spoilers. The whole world of spoilers. I have a really good question uh, uh, for Jaime about that one too. Spoilers, the internet spoiling things. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we live in a weird world. You know, America dominates. Uh, you know, the the pop culture zeitgeist. You know, if you're a Trek fan and you go to StarTrek.com or you go to blogs or you watch Ready Room or all this stuff, like, what are you supposed to do? Like, you want to be part of the conversation. This is my my sort of, well, again, here comes the soapbox. This is part of my frustration with the idea that you can do a delayed release in other markets. If it's available in the United States, there's so much media and social media domination in that market. It's inescapable. But it's almost like they don't care, you know, John, if you think about it. Like oh, they don't, it's 100% they don't, they don't care. Well, Canada's a, a flea speck. Come on, we got 36 million no, people. I, I, that's, no, like, I don't, that's like I don't Chicago mean, and New York put together. That's it. I know, but what, what I'm saying is it's clear that they don't care about... I mean, I, I do know from, from working with companies that do care about the social network experience and they do they you know they do look at what happens on Twitter and Facebook and, and LinkedIn when they have a launch. Yeah. It seems like Paramount doesn't care. Like they don't care if the if the people in Europe aren't watching or can't watch or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like in like you said, they really don't care if Canada Canada, okay, sure, whatever. You know? Yeah. They probably upcharge Rogers or C T V or whoever owns is it Rogers own C T V or Bell or Bell O C V. Yeah, they probably charge them an arm and a leg just to have the content on, oh, right? I'm but, sure they do. And I'm sure they but, they gratefully pay it because it's a premium drawing point to their to their yeah, platform they're going to sell com- well it's like a, like i said like a, i don't know if i put this in the show or not but like i just was telling the guys that you know like it ran from 9 p.m till 10 15 today mm-hmm. i'm thinking i'm getting a, a long show but from 10 o'clock which is more or less when it ended to 10 15 it was like one commercial after another yeah. i mean that's like a like what to watch the tr- that are they that dumb that they think that people are going to sit around just to wait and watch the end titles like really So I'm going to tack this this uh, this social media experiment onto the end of this conversation because I think it's relevant. So I'm going to ask Jaime. Jaime, do you follow Marvel or Marvel affiliated things on your social platforms? Uh, I don't think I have anything that I follow, but I probably mostly see things that people have retweeted. So I'm going to do this without trying to spoil things. Let's see how we go. So today it is now been two weeks since the Eternals was released in theaters. 
It is only available to see it in the theaters. It is not available to stream anywhere. So you have either gone to the theater and seen it, or you have not. Those are your only options. Today, on their social channels, Marvel put up something that was a tremendous spoiler for a character in The Eternals. And immediately I saw it and was like, wow, that's a pretty short window. They gave people like not even two full weeks before they were just like, ta-da. And I was like, wow, that's pretty brutal. And then later in the day, my son sent me a note saying, WTF Marvel, what if people hadn't had a chance to get to the theater? It's not like there's a pandemic or anything. And I was like, yeah, he's Mm. 100% right. If you follow Marvel on your social channels, which a lot of people do because you want to see when there's a new trailer dropping or you want to see if there's a behind the scenes thing or there's some cool announcement of some new show or whatever. So you follow along with those things or you follow other people who follow them or whatever. The odds of encountering that on a social network are pretty high. And they put this piece of spoilerific information out there that, you know, broadly reveals this moment from the movie. And I thought, like, that's kind of brutal that they did this in the same sort of vein. They, they did this and basically gave people no opportunity in a lot of circumstances to find out organically. Like, it's not like they waited until it was on their streaming platform. It's not till they, like they waited until it was available for on demand. It's not like they waited for, you know, the pandemic to quiet to the point where more people could see it in the theater. It's like they hit a monetary figure or something and they're like, well, we made 300 million. All right, let, let that information out there. We don't care anymore. It, it really was like, and again, it's not like the end of the world spoiler, but it's enough of a spoiler that you're like, what? Yeah, I don't understand that. I have not gotten spoiled, so I guess I've been lucky in that respect. But that that is one of those bummer things that uh, a lot of modern social media stuff does. I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I my wish for you, Jaime, is that you get to enjoy that experience like anybody who had gotten the chance to watch this organically. My concern is that the kind of information that it is will just permeate to the point where one day you'll be flipping through something and be like, well, that's gone now because oh, you're, talk- oh, you're talking about, you're talking about the end credit thing, right? Yes, it is. It's a oh, moment wow. from the end. Yeah, it's the first thing that came up on it. Don't, don't search it. Jaime. <laughs> yeah. And it's, and again, it's on, it's, it's crossed over to mainstream today. So it's on, it's on mainstream sources and stuff like yeah. that. And I was like, yeah. okay, first of all, they did that. Now the, the aggregators are all grabbing it and they're jumping on it. And nobody's like, Oh, I can't believe Marvel did this. They're all like, Oh my God, look at this. I'm like, no, 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 stop doing that. You're making it worse. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I just I don't understand what these giant corporations are doing in these moments. Are they trying to be like, hey, there's this cool moment. You should go see the movie and therefore you can see what the, what's behind this. Is this supposed to be an enticement for those who hadn't yet gone? I knew, I hate to say this and maybe I, maybe I definitely am not the demographic, but this would not entice me to go see the movie. At it, all. it would not. But there's a huge demographic that it would. Oh so, yeah, for sure. You know. and, and they would go there and be so it, like, it's like, what's her name in, in Dune? Um, oh, Zendaya. Yeah. Like she, like she has like four lines in the movie, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, but it's uh, again, it's it's moments like that where I'm just I shake my head and think like, where do these companies think oh, we sorry, are? Spoilers now? for the Doom people who haven't seen. <laughs> <Doom>. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, what, what, what world do they live in now? Like, just because you're like, well, we're not releasing it in in Europe right now. We're waiting till 2022. Like, yeah, okay, so that's not gonna get around. What happens in episode one, two, three, four, five, six that are all out before 2022? Like. What do they think? How do they think the world is? It's it's not 1994 anymore, you know? Like, it's 2021. Mm-hmm. News travels instantaneously. People are live tweeting stuff. People are live posting stuff. They're blogging. They're, you know, three idiots can jump on their microphones and make a pot. Oh, never mind. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's... Nobody listens to it, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, what's that? If, uh, if, if three nerds scream in the forest, does anybody hear? Um... I just, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm confounded by the, by the sense of it. I really am. I really am. I don't understand how they think these things don't ruin the experience for people or that people won't just be like, well, to hell with you. I'm now going to go watch it on an illegal download or whatever. Like the world has changed and I can't believe. Not that we endorse illegal downloads. Of course we don't endorse that. That is, goes without saying only immoral people do awful things like that but it's you know it, i think it's absolutely true though like they're you know especially in a world with vpns and everything else you know people people do stuff and it's naive to think that you can just be like you know we're gonna pull this off and you guys aren't gonna watch it no we're gonna show it six months later no uh we gave you like two weeks to watch something now we're gonna spoil it like no that's not how this yeah. works mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all right <sighs> i'm putting the soapbox away and we're gonna talk about some other stuff sure okay Jaime, why don't you give us some time? How was you, how was, what's happening at Marvel, Jaime? <laughs> yeah, I apologize for the litany of, um, of links here. It looks like these were updated after I posted the link, because these were covering different aspects of Disney Plus Day. And really, you only need the Verge article, um, although they've, I've got my heart set on the, uh, the X-Men-related one as a follow-up. Oh, yeah. So, I knew you'd be excited. So- yeah, so there's a whole slew of things. I'll go with the uh, the Verge one of, you know, new series and stuff that's coming out. So Echo is going to star the uh, the co-star of Hawkeye. Sounds like they're going to be their own series. Uh, Ironheart for the person who takes over for Iron Man based mm-hmm. on the uh, the comic series of, like, woman of color, younger woman of color, like teenager mm, college. Maybe, yeah. Sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, Agatha Harkness will return from one division, or at least the you know the actress will in Agatha House of Harkness. You've got Secret Invasion, which brings back you know Nick Fury, so Samuel Jackson, and uh, that Australian dude has the scroll. It says here Ben, ben Mendelsohn. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, a Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. So let's see how that goes. See if it's got like um, uh, Lego Star Wars vibes, or if it's got uh, Star Wars holiday special vibes. Either one this is probably good. Uh, X-Men 97. So this is the one that caught my attention. Yeah, this is the <laughs> other link. The animated series that continues in the 90s timeline from the X-Men animated series. Is which... that like the yellow spandex Wolverine or and stuff? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. So the, the other link has the, um, you know, the, the sad Wolverine meme that we talked about is being, you know, used on the internet. There's the the action figure that we, we talked about on the show the other day. Yeah. And uh, Marvel itself used this sad Wolverine meme with Wolverine looking real sad and looking at uh, X-Men 97. 
coming out on uh, Disney Plus in 2023. So that's great. We get uh, another season, so season two of What If. Yeah. So we're going to see more of that. Uh, Spider-Man Freshman Year, which is apparently an animated series. Yep. shows a different part of, of that character. I Am Groot, which is a series of shorts of Baby Groot. And rounding things out is Marvel Zombies, another animated series. This one following that zombie universe. Yeah. And they gave us a couple of pre, uh, a couple of looks at things we'd already heard about. We knew we were getting a She-Hulk series, but they gave us actually a little a little mm-hmm. taste of it. We knew we were getting a Moon Knight series, but they gave us a little taste of that too. And yeah. uh, and they they also stuck Ms. Marvel as something that's coming. We know that's coming somewhere in the earlier part of of 2022. Yeah, they had a little teaser of the, of that. So each of those got with like a minute or two maybe yep. of a teaser. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's quite the uh, it's quite the pile of content so i was going to ask i i did see the disney plus the disney day moniker on some of the shows some of the shows that were on disney plus the other day but like where did people where were people supposed to go to see this disney plus stuff was it like an online event or something they were pushing stuff over their socials so oh, the socials, as okay. they were as they were releasing the information they were putting it out there and then they also had a cross promotional thing where they dropped the price for the first month of disney Plus to it was like a dollar ninety nine or something or three ninety nine for the first month so that they could encourage people to come in and then they put all the trailers and previews and stuff on there as well. Cool. I, I'm curious for both both of you what uh, what of this first list? Well, we'll go through the Marvel stuff first. What what's the what are the most compelling things for you? I know Jaime, you're all in on X Men ninety seven. Yeah, I'm putting all my <laughs> poker chips on that one. <laughs> Tim. Uh, I, again, I don't know. I'm, I don't know that I have much context with them, with any of these shows. I'd probably just, you know, check them out and see, you know. Yeah. 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 I mean, well, I mean, She-Hulk has a lot of promise. It's a character I've always enjoyed. And Tatiana Maslany is going to play She-Hulk or Jennifer Walters, a.k.a. She-Hulk. And she's a fantastic actress. So that, I think, is a huge get and and good one there. And Moon Knight, again, they've got Oscar Isaacs, who's a fantastic actor, playing Moon Knight and Moon Knight is, you know, it's a complicated character and everybody sort of looks at him and is like, well, he's, he's Batman in white, except for, you know, and not, and not black. And he goes and fights crime at night. No, he's a much more nuanced character than that. And I hope that somebody with his gravitas will, will bring something to that. But yeah, I mean, this is a cool list of stuff. I mean, definitely lots of stuff to look forward to next year. Cause you know, on top of this, we're also going to get, you know, who knows what they haven't announced yet. That's going to come next year. But if you count this out, that's 12 new series coming next year there's only 12 months in the year and now Jaime's going to tell us about more content that we're getting on disney plus so it's quite a mountain of content coming that's how they keep you paying which is uh definitely something these streaming services are are getting quite well and i guess maybe this is a way to roll into the other one right that uh was was feature that we got some teaser art for obi-wan kenobi Mm-hmm. Uh, including a teaser of a showdown with Vader, which is yeah. interesting. Yeah. yeah. Is uh, Vader wearing lifts in this picture? <laughs> <laughs> Harsh. This concept art gives you the feel, you know, he's supposed to be a little <laughs> little taller. And the Big guy, menacing guy, yeah, yeah. I, I kind of am curious about this because uh, this changes the, the timeline a little bit. Uh, but probably, you know, in a very lawyer sense, fits into, well, what happened in A New Hope? You have Obi-Wan's, uh, sorry, you have Vader say, 
you know, I, I feel a presence I haven't felt since, and he doesn't say since last week, since last month or 10 years ago. We kind of assume because we've only seen as far as Revenge of the Sith that it was 18-ish years ago, but maybe. Wait, are we, are we going to talk about the flaws in the original Star Wars dialogue that, that, you know, things that they said in the movie don't make sense? Like, I don't ever remember owning a droid. Yeah. 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 <laughs> There's a few like that. Yeah. But then I don't think anyone's ever accused George Lucas of being excellent at script writing. But then again, you know, I really want to know what David Prowse was actually saying. Let's, you know, because like, I mean, when he's wearing a helmet like that, he could have said anything. Right? <laughs> I like to think <laughs> no, that seriously. he was singing chipmunk songs. <laughs> well, the thing is that, that like, you know, like apparently the scene where where uh, where he, he re- uh, spoilers for people who haven't seen the second movie yet, but uh, spo- where, where he tells Luke that he's his father, like apparently he didn't say that in in the scene. Oh, interesting. He said Obi Wan killed your father, hmm. right? So, and then they shot they shot Mark Hamill doing the reaction to to the news, right? So, yeah, yeah. Hmm. And we already so we know we they, they teased us and gave us a little bit more of the Obi Wan, a little bit of the the look at that one. We know that Book of Boba Fett is starting at the. It's, I mean, just barely making the cutoff for 2021. It's it's mostly airing in 2022. It starts on December 29th this year. And we know already that they they have Andor coming, the Cassian Andor uh, Rogue One prequel series coming too. And they've already announced the Ahsoka series is coming, we think, probably next year. Uh, and we know that we're getting a Mandalorian season next year too. So again, we just talked about 12 different Marvel properties all coming, and that's what we know so far. And now we're looking at one, two, three, four, five, at least different projects uh, on the Marvel front. And that's, you know, we're also in line for another season of The Bad Batch. We're in line for, you know, more stuff on top of that. So, yeah, I mean, we've gone from, you know, oh, there's enough material there to sort of keep you going from one thing to the next to there's going to be like two things a week that you're going to want to watch. Like they're just churning out the content in a really impressive mm-hmm. way. This has always been one of my concerns is they're going to overload, you know, even uh, even my sunset today. He's like, so there's two step two Star Trek episodes today. That's too much Star Trek. And I was like, mm-hmm, yeah. wait, they're, they're <laughs> going to get you with a few of these things. Yeah. Well, it's like Friday night. Like exactly the thing is like, I mean, I, I think I'm watching three or four shows on Apple TV Plus, and they all come out on Friday night. Like, like can you not spread it around a little bit? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, but just a, just a note here on that, on the article you linked here, um, I noticed it's got a, speaking of Darth Vader and lifts, it's got a picture of Hayden Christensen practicing some, some moves, right? Mm-hmm. So he's obviously going to play uh, Darth Vader yep. somehow, you know? Yeah, and you'd think they probably will do some, maybe they'll do some like de-aging, uh, you yeah. know, behind the scenes stuff where, you know, it's a, or prequel stuff where it's earlier and the two of them are talking. And, you know, I, yeah. I think that this has a lot of potential. So do you think Obi-Wan's going to say, aren't you a little short for a Darth Vader? <laughs> <laughs> no, but if he doesn't say, stop your whining, I'm going to be upset. <laughs> God, you were always oh. a whiny one, Anakin. Yes, yes. First, you know, cut your arms off and you go whine. <laughs> That's right. Tis but a flesh wound. Tis but a flesh. Oh, am I up now? You're up. Oh, so yeah, I stumbled across this. I don't know how I did, but um, you know, I, I think it's probably because I, I troll around on um, sci-fi model making sites and stuff like that. But I found a video on making your own ecto goggles in just in time for the Ghostbusters movie. Oh. So so in the in the uh, video, he has a pair of ecto goggles and and. Um, he gets a he, he does a 3D model and he 
or 3D thing, and he prints it out on his printer, and then he's showing how to use a lathe to make the knobs and stuff like that. So it looks pretty cool. Uh, so if you're in, if you're if you're a like a cosplay person and you're looking to make your own ecto goggles just in time for the movie, check out this video um, of that. Right. Cool. And last week, you know, this is I guess this is sort of fact checky follow up stuff. But um, Sean Marsden, friend of the show, friend of more than just code. I I don't know if he's a friend of uh, Spotcast. I assume he is. Yeah, he must be. Yeah, he must be because because he he posted this here. So let me backtrack that. Sorry, Sean, friend of the show, Sean Marsden. Um, sent me a link just in time for Black Friday on our, our um, Slack channel. So if you want to join our Slack channel, you're welcome to do that. Uh, on the co- complete ru- Ferengi rules of acquisition, which, again, apologies to the Star Trek fans out there. I'm not really up on my rules of acquisition, but apparently, yeah, that would be somewhere where you want to go and check out, uh, you know, in terms of... It, it was in re- response to my... Uh, tweet where I said, you know, I found this one thing that had eight rules for for buying things on Black Friday. The eighth rule was, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Yeah. Uh, to which he replied, it's it's slightly different take in the um, in the rules of acquisition. Just remember what he said, actually. All right. Do 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 do. Basically, uh, which one was it? Oh wow, there's like twenty, thirty, <laughs> fifty, hundred rules here. Hmm. Sell first, ask questions later. Uh, never bluff a Klingon. You know, Ooh, that's a good he'll one. Rip your, he'll rip your arms out of the socket. It's going to say, always um, let the Wookiee win. Yeah, yeah. Uh, something, it, it was, it was a, a variation on, yeah, a bargain usually isn't. That's the one he reminded me of, which is the same as what I said. It's the irony of that when we're talking about selling people this book. Sorry? It says the irony of that as we're telling people to go out <laughs> this bargain, get the complete Ferengi rules of acquisition. Yes, exactly, exactly. And back over to Jaime. So um, Paramount Plus is also getting into the whole game here of let's tease stuff that's super, super early. This one maybe is a little less early. You've got the uh, teaser for the live action Halo TV series, which is coming in 2022. We get a very moody, um, uh, you know, see Master Chief from, uh, you know, behind his head and his armor is a very iconic armor getting put on and getting ready for battle presumably mm. yep looks cool they, they lead right into the the classic halo um gregorian chant kind of music so mm-hmm. got me excited for that yeah i wonder how well i was thinking about this when i was thinking because obviously the the kind of appeal of the master chief the lead character from the halo series is that he wears this suit of of armor that covers his face, and therefore any of us could be mm-hmm. inside that suit of armor if we were happened to be like you know seven feet tall and super strong. Um, it, which coincidentally I am. Um, so I was thinking about this, like how well will that translate to a TV show? Because it's not exactly filled with emotion, but then they pulled off Mandalorian pretty well, and even you know movies like V for Vendetta, where you end up with like a masked character as your as your sort of star. So maybe it'll work. I don't know. Do you guys have any concerns about a masked character as the star of a television show? Well, not so, I mean, not so much that, but generally, you know, I wonder, like, I, I've never seen, I've never even played, have you guys played Halo? Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's on, it was an Xbox thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's probably why I never played it. But yeah, um, the, I often wonder, like, do these, should these things actually translate over to, to, um, to a movie plot, I mean, like, notwithstanding the cutscenes and stuff, like, like um, Uncharted has a has a story that goes along with the gameplay, and 
they do a little bit of that in, in Tomb Raider, but I, I guess in this one they have sort of um, cutscenes that sort of have a try to tell a story. Yeah, there's a, there's a real mythology built around Halo. I mean, Halo's been around for geez, how I many what? Almost twenty twenty plus years now. Yeah, really? I, mean, I want to say it was pretty early, if not a launch game for the original Xbox back yeah. in like two thousand one. So yeah. we're, we're rounding the bases on two decades yeah so there's been i mean and there's been i guess what five or six main core titles and a bunch of ancillary titles there have been you know online goods there's been comic books there's been other things but even the the first three the sort of the original trilogy if you will is a pretty epic story of you know this sort of this lone soldier's efforts to try and sort of uh, you know, take on this evil empire and and you know save the earth. And it, I can I can see it working. I wonder if they're gonna sort of follow that sort of arc, or if they're gonna do like something wholly different or completely sort of. You'd think they would do something completely different, just because again, people know that story, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's. I mean, I know enough about it to know that 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 you know, if I see the character, I know it's definitely Halo. Like in, in the same way that I would look at Wolverine and know it's Wolverine. Like I mean the. 97 version right yeah it's it's definitely one of those um identifiable at a glance kind of things in, in the in the zeitgeist yep all right spider-man spider-man, Spider-Man. so back to the marvel verse here we go so Spider-Man. this week we got our final i think maybe final longest look at spider-man no way home we got a trailer that really they still won't tip their hand and confirm that we're going to get uh, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield, but we sure as heck got everything else. So we yeah, there were lots of other Spider-Man guys in there, right? Yeah. So they they basically gave us a, a sort of more rich look at what happens when this, you know, the first trailer showed us, you know, the spell going awry that Doctor Strange is trying to weave to try and, uh, you know, help Peter out by making him anonymous again, and the. The story sort of continues here where we see the effects of that. We knew at the end of the last trailer, we saw uh, Otto Octavius, Dr. Octopus, you know, hello, Peter. And in this one, we see that it's he's not alone. Now, we got a taste and a tease in a few spots if you had, had eagle eyes in the last one or even just, you know, read the internet. But uh, we, we got a hint that there was a Green Goblin. We got a hint that there was uh, Electro because we saw some lightning. We got a hint that there might be Sandman because we saw the sand. In this one, we flat out see it. So you see the green goblin flying on the on the goblin uh, yeah. you know uh, rider and you also see uh salmon you also see uh electro and you see the lizard from uh, amazing spider-man the the andrew garfield picture so we now have five villains representing the five previous spider-man films so you I don't know about you guys, but when I get two and two, I add up and I add up to four and, you know, so. Yeah. Well, didn't we see also different Spider-Man? Like. There is a scene where we see an armored Spider-Man, but we don't know who is inside the armor. So it could be uh, our Peter. It could be one of the other Peters. It could be an entirely different, you know, we might be getting sort of into the Spider-Verse. There's. Well, that's what I was thinking. It was a sort of a Spider-Verse-y kind of. Yeah. So I don't know if we're simply going to get. Did you talk about the. 
other worlds colliding, right? Yeah, and and again, I think everybody is sort of honed in the fact that you know they're gonna basically bring the first five Spider-Man movies into canon by saying, oh, they happened in different oh, universes, okay. and therefore right. this is them all colliding. They're all part of the multiverse. They're all valid, but they're just not in this prime universe that we're now building the MCU in. Cool. So then the question becomes: Are we also gonna get? Are we gonna get? You know, uh, I mean, we saw the the armored Spider-Man. Are we gonna get a whole variety of other Spider-Man that we've never seen before? I postulated several episodes back that this is the perfect opportunity to bring Miles Morales, um, Spider Gwen, and some of the other popular modern takes on Spider-Man into the modern Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, that's how I'm hoping that this sort of wraps is that in the end, you know, this is this huge epic crossover and it ends with setting up Miles for the, you know, to be the Spider-Man going forward. Um, but yeah, this is this is pretty, pretty epic. We also got a little bit of extra news that uh, I think they announced yesterday or today that the runtime on Spider-Man uh, No Way Home is two hours and 49 minutes, the second longest Marvel Cinematic Movie uh, Universe movie so far. Um, so that's so pack a lunch, right? Yeah, like make sure you get the large popcorn and <laughs> consider whether or not you can drink the extra large drink to go with it. But uh, yeah. that's that's a long movie, and it, to me that says we are we are really taking a swing here. We're taking a big like epic finale kind of feel to this one. Um, you know, we know Tom mm. Holland's going on to become uh, Nathan Drake in the Uncharted series. So, yeah, I wonder if this is sort of the oh, last. Oh, you think hurrah. he's going to end his end, ending his run? I wonder. You know, so I'll I'll throw a few small spoilers out there, but in the Ultimate Marvel comic books universe, so there's the main universe that's called Six One Six. The Ultimate Universe was a new reimagined version take modern take on the marvel characters they had an, an ultimate spider-man still peter parker uh they had ultimate x-men and the idea was well what if all those things started in like the year 2000 as opposed to starting in 1962 and brought okay. them into the future cool concept good books enjoyed them a lot but one of the things that happened in that series over the course of time it ran for you know quite a while but what happened in the spider-man books is eventually uh peter parker sacrificed himself and died and miles morales became the spider-man in that universe i do have a little wonder i don't know if they if tom holland is going to stick around and still be you know, Peter Parker, Spider-Man in the crossover movies, the big, huge, epic, you know, Avengers crossovers and stuff like that, because he's immensely popular. Uh, mm. But it would be an interesting play if they were to kill him off as part of this big crossover. It would be a big, ballsy move to kill him off in this one and have him be replaced by Miles. Not just replaced on the job, but literally replaced as in one gone new guy in place. Mm. And it would be an even bigger swing if they did that and had... Gwen take over, but I don't think that's going to happen because mm. she, no matter how you break it down, is not Spider Man. She's Spider Gwen, right? <laughs> but cool. anyway, right. it's all this is to to say. This seems like it's going to be, you know, time to go brush up, watch those those five previous movies, make sure you you know what you're getting into. As I, my son said to me, he's like, I guess I got to watch all five of those movies now. He's seen two of them, but he hasn't seen all five of them. He's like, I guess I got to go back and watch them all. I'm like, you're probably going to want to. Right. So yeah. you've got enough notice now. You've got uh, it's not coming out until the uh, third week of December. You've got a good month, so make make the effort. Go watch those because I think that's going to come in handy when you when you start looking forward. Cool. All right. So we didn't talk about Finch, the movie that 
starring Tom Hanks on Apple TV Plus. Have you guys both watched it or don't have Apple TV Plus, so I have not watched it. Oh, and I have not watched it yet. It is it's something I, I probably will, but I haven't made the effort yet. All right, okay, I'll, I'll save my review for later. And what about the Crystal Skull? I mean, uh, Red Note. <laughs> I also haven't watched that. That doesn't that seem, that doesn't seem oh, well related. How... Oh, I've just spoiled it for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I was a little confused in the middle of that movie, which movie I was actually watching. Oh, my God, Is did somebody nuke a fridge? No, there was no nuke. No, but fridges weren't nuked, no. But there was definitely, yeah, never mind. I'll, I'll let you guys. You, It's so unmistakable. You guys will know exactly what I mean when you watch it. So right. I'll just leave well, it yeah, that was that's still on my to-do list for sure. I, I actually, I was I pressed play on it the other day and I was like, you know, I don't have enough time. I'll just watch another episode of Big Mouth. So I watched, I watched more of the, yeah. the latest season of Big Mouth. Oh, I, try, I probably should have watched Big Mouth. Oh, but yeah, no, I mean. So fun. The, the, I watched uh, the first episode and I, I almost fell off the couch laughing so hard. Yeah, I gotta go. I actually I have that whole series to look forward to because I haven't even watched any, a single. Episode oh, yet, it's but. so so gross and so funny. Oh my god, the yeah. the the episode, the premiere episode, and it's not any real spoiler at all. But they framed it like they used the framing uh, device from uh, Goodfellas. Ever yeah. since I was a kid, I wanted to be a gangster. So they they do that, but it's about masturbation. Oh my god, it's so funny. I just I couldn't <laughs> stop laughing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just, I mean, the, the thing about Red Note is that it, uh, I found it like it moves really fast. And, and there was like parts of the movie where I, I had to go back, like, you know, several frames to go, wait, what, when did that happen? What? <laughs> you know? Yeah. So yeah, it, it is, it does move pretty quickly. Cool. Um, yeah. And there's, a, there's a few twists and turns. I, I'm sure you'll probably be able to keep up with them, Jonathan. I'll try. All right. Right. Well, this is the main part of the show, folks, where we start talking about Star Trek, which is why we're here. And we had two Star Treks here uh, to talk about. So I wonder, um, I can do a quick recap of Prodigy. Just do, do you want to start with Prodigy or we'll start with Discovery? Yeah. Did we have Prodigy on the list? I, I, I had Prodigy at the bottom. So I, I had Discovery, oh. then Prodigy. But we can do okay, Prodigy. Well, we can, let's let's do let's do Prodigy because because we can talk we can all talk about Prodigy cool. because it, it was because yeah, there's a lot more meat in the. Uh, in the episode of Discovery. I mean, so generally speaking, like, you know, we know this is the second part of a two-parter series. This is called ter- Terra Firma, this one. Terror Firma. Um, and Terror Firma, yeah. There was a lot of lot of plays on words in this one. Um, I made note of a few of them, but the, um, the, the gist is, like, as we've sort of surmised... Um, uh, we're, we're once again we find the the, uh, the crew on Planet Larry, um, and uh, as um, what's it? Romtok decides she wants to call the planet Larry because they, but she's disappointed when they don't go along with it. But anyway, the the uh, they they're abandoned. Uh, Gwyn has you know powered up the ship and and kind of lost control of it and and it's flown off somewhere. So, but there's also we've been talking about okay this this the very first episode of we see Gwyn and. Our, our main guy, Dal, right? Um, you know, sort of buddy, buddy, chummy, chummy kind of thing. And and yet now they're they're at at uh, loggerheads with each other over this, this ship that they found, and and the fact that she's working with her father, the Diviner, to to you know take you know capture the capture the ship and whatever. Um, but so now they're they're kind of mad at her. But this, I think this this episode is all about sort of a redemption arc for her, uh, and to be to become one of the crew in a sense. Cause we know that, you know, they can't possibly keep going with her being the enemy inside the ship. You know, she has to sort of become a member of the crew. And, and that's what this episode was about. Um, essentially, uh, interesting, uh, little, little tidbit there that, that, uh, 
orb that we taught we saw on the in the engineering section is a gravimetric proto star in a containment field and that's, that's mentioned a couple of times in in the episode and they do make use of that at uh at in their getaway let's put it that way but uh so it's how do they get back on the ship and it's interesting i thought that um janeway hologram janeway is actually able to defend the ship herself while uh you know this this planet's trying to eat everything mechanical um the kids in the in the crew um have a couple of tussles there's a little bit of acid rain they get attacked by a um a klingon ship or a klingon klingon transport device of some type that that gets animated by the by the planet um and of course gwen becomes the hero by shooting it dead and and uh they're trying to find their way to the the ship and they know they have to walk 10 kilometers in one direction because uh, they've lost the run runaway it's called and um they the as they're walking towards towards these huge mountains the the, the environment keeps shifting because the planet is 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 not uh, i think as zero puts it is actually a sentient sentient being not a planet it's say itself right so um and uh, the the sort of the the story arc that happens for Gwen, and I think we all kind of sort of knew it was coming, was when her father finally shows up, and he's put in a position where she's being consumed by the planet, and the pro, uh, the pro star is being consumed by the planet as well, and he has to decide is he going to rescue his daughter or go get the ship, and he decides to go get the ship, which of course you know now you know that's going to obviously turn Gwen against her dad, and she's not getting what she wanted, which was you know his love and admiration. So uh, we leave the ship basically where they get back on the ship. I don't want to give away too many spoilers, but they do use, make use of the of the gravimetric protostar to make their their make their escape. And that's pretty much the show without giving too much away. Yeah. So now they're there. We've we've gotten through the first sort of major hurdles that we had to get, which is to yeah. get them together, get them off the planet, get them together, get them the ship, get them off the planet. And then yeah. unite them. So we've we've sort of crossed those things off in theoretically what is four to five episodes, depending on how you view that two-parter to start. Yeah. And yeah, I guess from here on out, it's you know, can they stay ahead of the diviner and and Dreadnought, who was doing a pretty spot-on General Grievous impersonation in yeah. this episode. Yeah. Um. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, this just it's it's certainly enjoyable. It's still kind of growing on me. I did enjoy uh, Jen Kompog as as a fun character. The whole you know, oh, you told me not to wear a spacesuit, but I wore the spacesuit. Now who's laughing? I'm wearing the spacesuit, and I'm fine. You guys are scared to death. Mm-hmm. Um, and calling the calling the uh, evil planet murder planet, and and they're like, yeah. yep, you win, murder planet. It is. Um, yeah, there's there's definitely good things to take away from it. it this this I, I mean again. I, we always have to have these discussions framed around the fact that this is not marketed for adults. It's not marketed for adults. There was a few different times there where not only were they explaining concepts, but they were explaining the meaning of words in this episode. Uh, right. So, you know, it, it, it's definitely playing to a younger audience and that's fine. Uh, but this episode again was like straight out of the writing uh, adventure stories for children playbook. Like there, they was like bang on. Uh, if you put a thousand monkeys and a thousand keyboards down, they, they'd have got this one pretty fast. Not to say it was done poorly, but it was no, no, formulaic, no. incredibly formulaic. Yeah. 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 Cool. Insights, Jaime? Yeah. Um, I, uh, I thought Gwyn would be a little bit more grudging and I thought the crew would be a little bit more grudging. Um, 
with the position of where they started from. Uh, so it's a, it's a little faster than I thought. But you look at it through the kids' angle, I'm like, all right, sure. They, they want to get them to the point of having to be united and, and fighting against the Diviner. So I, I, I can kind of overlook it. Um, I did think it was kind of interesting how Gwyn is, is pretty self-sufficient. Like, her leg is fractured, so she yeah. uses her her like programmable matter tool thing to be like a splint to help her walk. And then she gets shot in the leg <laughs> to break it so cruel. I'm like, man, this, this, this kid's show is pretty rough, man. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I've, I've been enjoying it so far. It's uh, going to be interesting to, to not have that around for a little bit as they go on hiatus on, for reasons I don't understand, given that discovery is just getting started. Yeah, I guess the idea is they want to, uh, you know, give Discovery the breathing room it needs to do its own thing, I guess. But yeah. Yeah, it's uh, I guess for little kids, they don't really care too much, right? They're like, oh, it's killing me waiting for the the binge. It's like, well, they're yeah. they're just going to be, you know, next week in America, it's going to be Thanksgiving Day. And then a couple of weeks after that, you're going into the Christmas holidays. So they're probably pretty busy doing other things, playing Xbox games, maybe. So maybe they're like, yeah, whatever. When they go back to school in January, that's when we can bring back the show. Yeah. Well, they can also watch it again, too. I think that that's a common habit with young viewers is they'll watch the same thing over and over again. But so do you think that the the animosity between Gwen and the other team members of this crew, do you think it's do you think that's really that palpable to kids? Like, would they, they would they see? Obviously, they, they should see Diviner and Dreadnought as as the bad guys. Right. Mm hmm. But do you think that they see Gwyn as a bad guy? I mean, I think I think they might view it through the lens that it's probably being presented in, which is just, you know, kids make mistakes, right? Like she was doing what she was told by her dad because her dad told her to do it and has come to her senses. I think that's a relatable one for kids, right? Like, oh, somebody yeah. told you to do something. You knew it wasn't right, but you did it because you felt peer pressured. You felt family pressured, all those kinds of things. I, I, I do think that they're approaching these characters from a pretty relatable lens as far as you know what kids will understand well even even the point of view at the end of it where or in, or in the middle near the end where where um ral or De, sorry what's his name again Dal, Dal? yeah Dal. Dal comes and rescues gwen from being consumed right like he has them and here's the, here's the funny thing so the proto stars above them above gwen and they're all standing on the little gang planky thing on the on the back right the loading dock I don't know what you call that thing on the back of a helicopter or carrier, right? And they got a rope and they're lowering Dal down, yeah. right? And he says, lower, lower. And they're like, I can't lower you anymore. Can't you make the ship go down a little bit? I was literally yelling that at the screen. So I, I'm with you. <laughs> I was like, come on. Like, what kind of tired trope like, is this? Even an eight-year-old would know that. <laughs> yeah, like you're in a spacecraft. Maybe make the spacecraft go uh, two feet lower. And like, nope, she has to have a reason to whip out that cool new toy. Don't you want one for Christmas, oh, kids? True. Don't you? That's yeah, that's true. That's mm -hmm. true. You probably, you, yeah, I think you called that one. That definitely, it's going to be the little, you know, yeah, plastic thingy that you know. Yeah. Oh, wait, wait till next year's fan expo. There are going to be people dressed up like that with their retractable things. True. Wait. Yeah. 
Yeah, again, I think overall, good start for this sort of first bunch of episodes. Didn't really go anywhere I didn't expect it to go, but but the characters are really what's making it. The characters are fun and interesting. I like the diversity. I like that there's they're, they're in a place I'd never seen before. They're doing things. They're interacting as kids would. We don't really see a lot of kids in this universe. So, yeah, I think I think it's enjoyable. Right. Okay. But it's no That's discovery. A, well, I was going to say, but speaking of Star Trek tropes that you have to pull out and, and play over and over again until ad nauseum, let's talk about the next episode, the premiere episode of Discovery. Guess what, kids? It's called Kobayashi Maru. <laughs> Which, if you don't know, will be explained on episode six of <laughs> Prodigy. The Kobayashi Maru or, was a or any. Or any yeah, or any Star Trek TV show or movie. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I'm going to do a quick recap, and then we can uh, we can bash around the parts that we liked best. So this is set five months after the events of uh, the conclusion of season three. Uh, we have the Discovery, captained by uh, Burnham. She is the the new. Very, very fashionably dressed captain of the ship. She and Book are on an away mission where we see that she's doing a uh, an outreach to this uh, this this race that has been disconnected for a period of time from the Federation. Uh, the the whole thing kind of goes sideways. In the end, they find a way to uh, to rectify the situation and leave on good terms after getting shot at for a little while. Um, and we can talk about some of the details of that later on. So. Just, just an interjection here. So I, I came into the show late. As I mentioned, I missed the first five minutes. So by the time I tuned in, they're being shot at and they're running through the woods. And I'm thinking, isn't that the same plot as the second of the new Star Trek it movies? It is. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Just, just checking. Yes. It is. Yes. So we then get to them back to the ship. They're, you know, all smiling and winking at each other. We then have our, you know, brand new intro. Always cool to see what they're going to do with the intro. Some interesting new little, little stuff in there. It's kind of fun to watch that, see what happens. We come back after that and we are on Kaminar. We find out that this is in fact, five months later, Saru and Sukal are there uh, with the council of Kelpians and Ba'ul. And they're, they're having a conversation about uh you know the the big picture where you know does it make sense for Kaminar to be part of the federation again and and so you get sort of part of that overarching storyline which is going to be this season is kind of part of it is going to be rebuilding the federation rebuilding starfleet and uh and so then we cut back to the uh, Starfleet headquarters, where we get this ceremony for the Starfleet Academy reopening after 125 years of being closed because of the the the, uh, the burn. We are introduced to some new characters. We have uh, Federation President Lara Rillick, uh, and she is played by Chela Horsdal. She's a Canadian actress who's been in a bunch of different things, including she was in Stargate and uh, Aliens vs Predator and all kinds of other stuff. And we get news that Book, while he did go on this mission with them, Book is, is taking some time off. He's going back to his home planet, Quajon, to attend the uh, ceremony for his nephew who is going to become a man. So it's uh, he's going to go in and participate in that. Um, I did flag his in here that... Sorry? Canadian uh, uh, rite of passage, is that... that I? Go touch a tree? Oh my god, yeah. Getting the sap and then the family blood and putting it in a little vial. You have to to fashion your own hockey stick, yeah, definitely. Yeah, you have to go into the woods and you can't come back out until you've made a hockey stick and you're covered in the blood of something. 
Maple syrup. Maple syrup. That's right. Um, I flagged in here that the president looks vaguely Kardashian. She does have a spoon yeah, head. Definitely sort mm-hmm. of a human, human Kardashian crossover. Yeah. She so again, had, I, she had a little thing on her forehead. I think and, the idea yeah. is that over the course of a long period of time and, and collaboration in close quarters, that a lot of these races are going to be, um, you know, mixed. Like, the, you know, as, as the human race goes. Come on, they're getting it on. Just say it. That's fine. Like it That's fine. We can yeah. say that. Um so then we get this cool ceremony where they're they're you know uh, Burnham gives this nice speech to the to the new cadets who are going into the Starfleet Academy. Uh, we get a little president you know gives a rah rah speech and introduces the new Archer space dock. Nice little callback yeah. to uh, to Jonathan Archer. By the way, in that part of the show, there was way too much smiling for me. <laughs> well, it was like, all I'm set up for the show. Going, Wait. Yeah, no, it's like w- something's going to have to happen because oh, yeah. there's just, everybody's too happy. Oh yeah, no, it was it was definitely foreshadowing what was going to be a, a, a turn, a heel turn on this one. So uh, then, of course, the the call comes in that there is a problem on Deep Space Beta Six, that there is uh, a, a problem that the um, uh, this this space station is is having problems they send in burnham and her crew to go take a look they're supposed to go and repair the problem and report the president decides that she wants to tag along and uh, you know burnham sort of says you know i don't i don't want you to tag along and she says you know tough and uh you know so in the end the admiral uh sort of says you know she doesn't have to have your permission she's the freaking president guess who's going on a trip uh so they go and then when they arrive, they find this uh, this space station spinning out of control at, uh, what did they say, 7,000 kilometers a second, uh, all whacked out and going in different directions. They uh, we, we, do, we do a quick cutover. We go back and we see Book, the ceremony that Jaime was referencing, where, you know, Book's nephew touches the tree and, and uh, he's there with... Um, uh, yeah, Book and his his brother Kaim, and they're there with Leto, this, his nephew, and they do this the sap ceremony, the sap and the blood go in the necklace, the whole nine thing. And it's a beautiful ceremony about how this whole planet's connected to their ancestors through the trees, and yeah, it was nice. Uh, we go back to, uh, it, and in that scene, we get a little foreshadowing where the birds in the forest where they are are acting really weird. The birds are, are, are out of whack and they really live in harmony with nature on that planet. So when something's wrong with one creature, they're like, something's off. Something's not good. They, we cut back over. We see this, um, uh, you know, trying to figure out what the heck happened to the space station. We realized it was this gravitation, gravitational distortion that hit it. And that's what sent it on its, on its way, this massive wave. They're like, okay, well, we'll send over Adira because she's the expert, uh, excuse me. They are the expert in using this, um, what's it called? Um, manipulatable ma- matter. What's it called? Programmable matter. Programmable matter. Thank you, Jaime. Uh, and they're also going to send over Tilly with, with uh, Adira and, they speak with the commander. Hey, we're going to send you over. In that moment, they're also like, uh-oh, on top of this distortion sending this thing flying, it also has uh, created this sort of hailstorm, space storm of frozen methane, which is threatening to bombard both Disco and this this uh, uh, space station. They go over and they're like, okay, time to get everybody out. They're evacuating. The the Burnham is going to leave the ship to do an EVA to help them evacuate. The president confronts her, is like, hey, are you sure you should be leaving the ship? This is pretty rec- reckless. And so there's some tension, some frostiness building between the president and, and Burnham already. Uh, we do back to uh, 
uh, Kaminar, we have a quick scene where Sukal basically says, you know, Saru, thanks for the five months. It's been real. But, you know, clearly you miss your friends. Clearly you want to go back. You can go now. Um, nice yeah, scene. For cert- yeah. But, you know, a nice sort of a bow. Right out of Star Trek 2. It was. But it was a nice, a nice little bow on the whole arc from last season. I'm glad that we still got, like, that... We get that sign off where Sukal basically says, I'm okay now. Like you you did, you went above and beyond. You you got me where I need to be. I have friends, I have family, I have a life here now. Now you can go so that Saru can go with a clean conscience, go back to, to the disco. It's a good, nice scene, good scene. Uh, anyways, so we go back to the space station. Burnham's out on her EVA. She's almost got it fixed. And of course, as these things go, as as she's like working it, she's got only oh, got two more pieces to go. I looked at my son and said, I wonder what's going to go wrong. And then she gets hit by a piece of debris and smashed. And then she's in a space suit and she's trying to get things going. And, and um, so... You know, meanwhile, on the space station, the, the commander of the station's kind of gone off his nut and he's threatening to to shoot Adira and Tilly because he thinks that they need to go on a suicide mission to find a different way out. And anyway, it's a little convoluted in there. I don't want to go too far into it. Uh, basically, they get all the people off the space station. The ship gets away and um, we end up with this this. Um, Oh, sorry. I'll, I'll, I'll do one more aside. We cut back to Book. Book is trying to figure out what's going on with the birds. He's in his shuttle, part of his ship, not his entire ship. He's in part of his ship. And he is trying to figure out what's going on with the birds. He goes up into the upper atmosphere and finds all these dead birds basically floating there at the top of the upper atmosphere. He comes out through the clouds, looks out in space, sees the moon of this planet, and the moon is looking weird, and all of a sudden you see this gravitational wave poof, destroy the moon, and then he's knocked unconscious. So, hey, what the heck's going on there? We go back to the ship, to the disco. They get the last few people off. It's it's Tilly and Adira and, and the, uh, the commander. They just about make it back to the ship. The ship jumps out of the way, but at the last minute there was this piece of debris that hit them and poof. And so luckily Adira is okay. Tilly's okay. The commander's dead. In the end, three people dead, four people wounded. And the moral of the story is the Kobayashi Maru, which of course is the no win scenario. So then there's this, this Mm -hmm. very tense scene between the president and uh, Burnham, where they're talking about, you know, well, what is leadership? Is leadership the willingness to, you know, to do the best you can, but be okay with the choices you make and the sacrifices? Is it about trying to save everybody? Uh, we get a little bit of a, a, a taste from the president. She was like, well, I, I kind of came with you. This wasn't a vanity mission. I came with you because I were thinking about doing all these different things, including this, what she calls the pathway prototype. Uh, that's this special, you know, I guess, propulsion system of some kind. Uh, that's going on the newest version of the Voyager. And, you know, that this was about evaluating Burnham, whether or not she'd be a good captain. She's not, obviously, given the the circumstances that the president saw play out. And she does, uh, she does make the comment that we've all made that she's like, she's an accident waiting to happen. Well, right? she is. And, and again, she, she mentions the, the pathological need to try and save everyone based on the tragedy of her childhood where her parents died, theoretically died. And, um, yeah, it talks about her, you know, the pendulum versus the wrecking ball, which is an interesting analogy for, for you know, you got really lucky on a lot of circumstances that led you to this moment in time, but 
it, the pendulum's got to swing backwards. And is it a pendulum or a wrecking ball? Good, good, good way to illustrate, obviously, the string of miraculous successes that led through season one, two, and three of of uh, Disco. Uh, we end up with Book arriving in that moment. He's his ship arrives. He's the, arrived on autopilot. He is bashed up. He's like, I don't know what the heck happened. Something happened. I don't know what happened. Can we go back to Quajon? They go back to to where Quajon is, and Quajon is messed up. It looks devastated, if not completely destroyed. And this is where we wrap. So. Out of this, we get, you know, new president, tensions, politics. We get, uh, you know, this huge galactic cataclysm. We get some resolution on season three with the story on Kaminar. Um, an interesting start to the season. What you guys make of it all? <laughs> I'm thinking about how to recap it. So some things that came to my mind where it would be pretty interesting if they did, in fact, kill off Book's family. Because it, mm. it seems kind of weird to fridge them like immediately after uh, showing them uh, being happy. Um, I was also kind of curious on what's going to end up happening with the the Federation president. Because if you remember to last season, we thought that Vance, like, he might be kind of bad. We don't know. He's kind of kind of got, you know, evil, admir- evil Starfleet Admiral sort of <laughs> written on his forehead. And he didn't go that route, right? He stayed... No, he, uh, he turned out to be quite an honorable person. Yeah, I mean, he had his own kind of agenda. He was tr- slowly trusting the Discovery crew and and being kind of the uh, the tough sergeant with the the you know loose cannon detective kind of uh, mm. trope. And I don't know where the the president is going to go because she has a pretty good sort of dressing down of Michael at the end there of like, look, you're you've got some problems here. And I don't know that you would actually pass that Kobayashi Maru test in, in terms of, if, you know, insofar as that you only pass it by accepting there is no save everyone answer. Um, you have to sacrifice at some point. Uh, but then there's other parts where I'm like, man, she's kind of a little bit unreasonably antagonistic of the captain on, her, on top on her own ship. Right. Like, you especially in the middle of a crisis this. too, Jaime, in the middle of a crisis, yeah. she's like that. Do you think that's the right decision? Yeah. Like, do do you think we have enough time to talk this through? Because like <laughs> they told us we have like five minutes to go before this blows up. Yeah. Um, so it, this is a, it's probably the first time. I mean, not really the first time. But the first time I've I've kind of watched the show, thinking I could see why people don't like Discovery. You know, because it was sort of like it was it was a bit too cheery at the beginning. Like, kind of just everything happens really quickly. Decisions are made like, you know, I mean, you know, when you live through guys like Picard and Riker and and um, Cisco, you know, they don't jump at, and even Archer to a certain extent, they don't jump at, you know, problems the way Kirk did, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and Burnham does that, you know, she's kind of like, and, and, you know, everybody's like on the ship, they're like, they're going through these crises and they got the big grins on their faces, like, you know. Uh, all the, the the staff on the on the uh, the bridge, right? So um, it's kind of like you know, if you weren't a you know a strong Star Trek fan, you might look at the show and go like, "What is going on here?" You know, and this is the first first episode I've ever ever watched where I kind of felt that way. You know, I mean, it is pretty. There's a lot of special effects that look really cool and stuff like that, and things move fast. But it's almost a bit like. Like this, the the opening scene, which like is they borrowed from the second um, uh, Chris Pine movie, right? 
um, where he and Spock are running through the the forest to get away from these guys, and they run off the cliff, and miraculously the ship appears and catches them. Right? I mean, they did that twice in this episode, right? Yep. Um, and also the the like the just sort of cheery attitudes that they had, and you know. Um, but again, it's a, you you have to set them up before you can knock them down, too, right? Like the idea I yeah. think is that they're supposed to be coming off this high of like, oh, what a great accomplishment we've had this great you know run where we nothing it's everything's coming up roses for Burnham, and so you know again it's the the uh, the build up before the fall. Yeah, but I mean, like the and it's almost like the, if you watch the, the the four seasons of the show, it's like, yeah, I mean, it, the first thing she does is is kill her captain and and practically mutiny the ship and blow it up, and then 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 she's she's in in you know a ball and chain being transported to a prison planet or whatever for a trial, and then she gets off that ship and you know it, it kind of bounces around, and I can see where like a a, a diehard. Star Trek fan might kind of go, I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, like again, like, like when they, when they just made her, you know, the, the captain last year at the end of the season, it's like, really her of all people, you know, anyway, just, that's just sort of my gut feeling about it. You know, it's kind of, it's, I, it's definitely science fiction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, that that's this, this sort of the, just the, the gut feeling I had of this, this show. I was waiting for, I was waiting for for discovery to start and and I don't know if I really got there and then you know with the sort of you know um Quajon blowing up and the you know the rocks knocking book over and and uh you know like I thought is he done you know does do we lose him in the show you know No I, you know what the giveaway on that one was he's in the opening credits they don't they wouldn't <laughs> have killed him off if they put him in the opening credits no I I I never worried about him once I saw he was in the opening credits. I'm like, he'll be around all season. It's fine. So it's funny. Like, you know, I was telling you about War of the Worlds, this World of the Worlds show I'm watching. And I think I think it's coming, like, I think there's maybe one more episode before the season wraps, right? But, you know, like, there are some significant characters in this show who, like, on that, we lost another one today. Like, it's just like, you know, one of the other characters just offs her. Hmm. And it's like, what? Like, of all people, you know, like a like a... A key character, you know, it's just like there's, there's, you know, it, it's interesting. Like, you, I don't think putting in the opening credits is really maybe in Star Trek or in Marvel it is, but, uh, but in other other TV shows that, are, that take more chances, it's not. You know, yeah. they they really know how to shock the the viewer, right? Yeah. But uh, and and the uniform. Okay, I'm sorry, but I, I, don't, I don't know. I'm not I'm not really much of an OCD person, but did you not notice that the hems don't match up on the bottom? <laughs> It's almost like they put the buttons in the wrong order. Yeah. I I, yeah. I was just like blown away the first few scenes. I'm like, look at those uniforms. Like that those are the most stylish uniforms they've ever had. Like that is some slick stuff. When she comes out with the, the white collar and the maroon the maroon mm-hmm. leather outfit. Oh my god, she looked out amazing. Absolutely amazing. Sonequa Martin Green makes that captain thing look good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I was thinking about the the opening of this episode and it, it felt very lower decksy to me like i could 100 percent see the lower decks crew having that sort of first contact uh situation that goes awry because it sort of felt like that at the beginning did anybody get that sort of tone from the beginning with the the butterfly people yeah it, it felt like one of those like farcy kind of things right where it's like 
you know, everything they said went wrong. So we didn't, I didn't really get too much into it in the recap, but there's this misunderstanding about the fact that, you know, they don't, they obviously have an initial mistrust of the Federation and Starfleet. And then it gets compounded when they're like, you brought another life form here. And they're like, no, that's just the cat. And they're like, well, you know, so like, why are you have this life form? Is it a prisoner? He's like, no, that's my pet. And they're like, well, so you like keep this thing in. He's like, no, I just, I feed it and I take care of it. Well, does it appreciate this? No. Well, why, why would you keep it anyways? Well, cause she's a queen. You're keeping a queen hostage. Like it just, it just becomes this compounded farce. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. But funny and really funny that, and then, you know, again, the, the, the end of that scene where, you know, as they're pulling away and flying off into space, he starts petting grudge, you know, like see, <laughs> right yeah but yeah i mean interesting like that i thought that first scene was really well done with the 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 butterfly people i think i wrote it down in here the what do they call themselves the um i wrote down the name of the race here but i think a slow response from our google doc butterfly people yeah the butterfly folk. the al sheen the al sheen yeah, interesting, uh, interesting opening. You're right, Tim. It, it, I, it, I had the same thought you did. I'm like, oh, we we saw Chris Pine and uh, Zach Kinto do this. Yeah, exact same scene. Yeah. Except it was red instead of yellow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm good. I mean, obviously, you know. So the the immediate takeaway for a setup for a season is, you know, what is this? What's causing this huge, you know, gravimetric thing that can take out planets and knock, you know, huge space stations flying into space at 7,000 kilometers a second. Mm, um, yeah. I, you know, I, I guess the, the, you know, the, the tragedy, the upsetting part of this is, you know, oh my God, you know, uh, this, this, we just have this beautiful touching ceremony on this beautiful, pristine planet. And now the planet's devastated and chances are, uh, you know, I, possible that they survive, but I don't think so. That, that planet looked pretty wasted. So, yeah, now it's it's what is this new mystery thing? It seems like that's kind of the I feel like they're kind of going to that well a lot. That's this is third three seasons in a row where it's like there's a mysterious thing. We have to learn about the mysterious thing. You know, it, it was the the red angel, it was the it was the um the burn, burn and now this. You know, I get it. it. It works. It's a formula that works. The puzzle box storytelling where it's like, you know, introduce a puzzle, slowly unveil the puzzle and then solve the puzzle. I, I get why that works as a as a season thing. And and, and they do it well. I can't say I've, I complain. I thought the last couple of seasons were strong, but it feels little played out. So hopefully they take a few left turns in there. Hopefully there's some interesting wrinkles, but. If it's just going to be another puzzle box season, like I feel like maybe that's a little too much going back to the same wall again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't understand why they can't have kind of a more normal season that's kind of more introspective as a little bit of a breather between the 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 grand universe mystery kind of thing. Um, yeah, I feel like the the same kind of thing is a little bit uh, in the same vein as like Picard as well, right? We had that sort of feeling from from season one and season two kind of seems like it has grander things as well and then you contrast with like lower decks and um prodigy and they feel very different by comparison right like yes there are some stakes they're serious stakes in some cases but they're not grand like the entire quadrant is at risk the entire galaxy is at risk all of civilization is at risk and more like this crew is at risk or, um, you know, the, the Federation is at some risk because, you know, you don't want like the Paclids becoming a big deal uh, mm. militarily. But there isn't a, you know, all life is extinguished uh, kind of risk. 
which I think, you know, you, you can tote it back a little bit from, uh, from the, the cliff's edge. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also, you know, like due respect to, to the character of book who I like in David Ayala, who I, I like as a performer and he plays it well. And I'm sure he's going to be very good in, in the second episode following this up. But do you feel a strong attachment to the planet? You know, obviously you're supposed to have this like response because you just went through this ceremony with, you know, Kaim and his, his son, and you're supposed to feel this s- stronger sense of sadness because you've had this like, oh, what a beautiful, pristine planet. Oh, well, they're they had connected that, for thousands of in the show last last season too. They right? did, the they season. did. So yeah. they built it up a little bit, but I mean, this isn't this isn't Vulcan. This isn't a you know world right. where we feel that strong. This isn't Earth. This isn't a connected world where we're like, oh my God, like you know, this is Andoria. This isn't you know the Klingon homeworld. Um. It, it to me it again it's obviously it's a tragedy but I think it's muted by the fact that we are still just getting to know this timeline this time of the universe the players and everything else it it it, it didn't necessarily land as hard except that we know that you know this this cute little kid who just became a man and was just you know had this moment has probably just been you know pummeled by space debris or whatever mm-hmm. cool all right. Shall we move on to our watch list? Yes. Watch list. All right. Well, you're, you're up with like a series of. Oh, I am. Things. I am. All, this is this is like geek Christmas this week. Uh, we got, <laughs> you know, two new Star Trek episodes. And then tomorrow in, in our time, we're getting the the season finale of Foundation, which I'm quite enjoying. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how it wraps up. I, I am glad to know that my instincts are still strong. I kind of figured out what was going to happen in the, in the um, penultimate episode. And I was like, ah, there we go. Um, well, you know what? It's interesting is that I'm, I think I mentioned, I don't know if I mentioned last week, but I, I finally got the audio book from the library and I'm listening to it again. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's very much different than what I mean. Oh, I'm sure. There, I'm sure there are there are like milestones that they're hitting. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's quite different actually. Yeah. Well, I will say I don't have the I don't have the background nearly as much as you do. What I can say is I don't know how faithful an adaptation this is, but it has actually been a, a, a quite enjoyable science fiction program on its own. Whether or yeah, not I mean, yeah. we would quibble, again, I obviously have a ton of quibbles with what they do with characters that I've become attached to in other media and everything else. But in this circumstance, I have come in without that baggage and I found it to be quite enjoyable. Good characters, a very unique vision, great performances. Definitely looking forward to seeing how they wrap it up. And and, and as we talked about uh, in previous episodes, definitely give it a a thumbs up for when uh, Jaime uh, feels he needs to pull the trigger on uh, on renewing his Apple TV Plus subscription. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next thing that is also on this list of, of uh, Nerdapalooza 2021 is uh, Wheel of Time, the uh, adaptation of the Robert Jordan novels, series of novels, is uh, is finally premiering on Amazon Prime starting tomorrow. So I think we, we, we talked about that previous. We talked about the trailer. It looks very big, very epic. It looks like it's got a killer cast. I think, again, definitely worth checking out for a few episodes to sort of see where what it is and where it goes. I do not have any background on that either. One of my closest friends is a huge, um, huge Robert Jordan fan. So I'll be definitely picking his brain to see if uh, if he feels like this is what he would like to see when they adapt this world. But what, uh, what's there? But this is there's already been. A- 
a movie of one of these stories? Yeah, I think they tried doing it in a different medium before, but... Um, what, what the, is what the Wheel of Time is the sort of what it's known as? That's I think that's the name for the, the series. Okay. But I think each individual book has got... It's not like Golden Compass or something like that or whatever. Yeah, again, I think it's it's like... Well, so the first book of the the Game of Thrones is called A Game of Thrones. That's not the name of the whole series, but it's now become known as the Game of Thrones series of books because that's where it started right. from. So right. anyway, okay. it looks right. good. It looks like it looks like it's got a lot of um, a lot of things going for it. And I definitely think it's worth a worth a watch if you have Amazon Prime. Uh, next week, we get uh, the continuation of Nerdapalooza with Hawkeye, the six episode Marvel limited series on Disney Plus premiering uh, Jeremy Renner, of course, and uh, Haley Steinfeld. Um, they showed another longer trailer again for that this last week, and it just looks so much fun. It looks like it's taken really good elements out of the uh, Matt Fraction, David Aya uh, uh, series, which is one of the sort of seminal Hawkeye stories, and mixes in some of the elements from the MCU that we've gotten to know the character and, and his world and his family and all that stuff. It looks great. I'm, I cannot wait. I, Hawkeye has been... One of my all-time favorite characters for my entire life. I can't say I've loved the MCU version as much because they really muted him in the comic books. He's very brash. He's very cocky. He's kind of the opposite of Captain America. He's very much more hot-headed and impulsive and just just a different type of character. Um, so I, I can't say I've loved the MCU version of this where he's very much sort of subdued and quiet and muted and pained and tortured and whatever. Um, but I'm thinking this will maybe redeem him a little bit and make him a more fun, likable kind of character. And again, Hailey Steinfeld is just a great young actress. She's, you know, definitely put on some good performances and, uh, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So I'm, I'm definitely in for that. The last thing I've got on here, I just, I had to throw this in for you guys. I don't know if you've seen this yet. Multiverses. Have, have, Jaime, have you seen multiverses yet? I hadn't, but I did uh, before we recorded by uh, taking a look at the notes. Okay, so Multiverses is a new game coming from Warner Brothers Games, and it basically takes all of these Warner Brothers properties and mushes them together in what is more or less a uh, Super Smash Brothers kind of environment. So you can have, you know... Uh, Arya from Game of Thrones fighting against Wonder Woman from DC Comics and Adventure Time. You can have Finn from Adventure Time taking on uh, Harry Potter and Bugs Bunny and Batman. And it's just it's it's kind of crazy. It's it's just it's kind of crazy. Um, I'm not sure if it's going to work. It's a free to play game that's coming soon. I can't recall if they put out a date with it. But um, but it just looks bonkers. And it's kind of a mix of like Disney Infinity mixed with Super Smash Brothers. There's no like game to you know, toys to life kind of thing, but it's just the idea of mashing up all these worlds or, or Lego Dimensions or something where you're mashing up all these characters from all these different properties. But they actually did go above and beyond, too. So they've got... Um, you know, the original actors in a lot of circumstances playing the voices in the game, too. So, you know, Maisie Williams is doing Aria. They've got, um, you know, um, 
all these different voice actors who are actually coming back and then voicing the characters for the game too. So it just looks kind of goofy. I caught somebody posted this trailer the other day. Uh, we'll have it in our show notes. Have a look. It's just, it's weird and it's wacky. And I got to admit, I'm, I'm kind of into it. I kind of want to see at the very least, I kind of want to see what this game looks like in reality. Yeah. It's pretty bananas to go with like, all right, what if Tom and Jerry teamed up against Wonder Woman and Arya Stark? Yeah. It's like the weirdest flex from Warner Brothers given what they own. Yeah. Um, but it's pretty damn cool to see something like that. Yeah, just so like so out of left field, like so many worlds colliding that you're just like, I can't decide if I love this idea or hate it so much. But I, I know that I kind of want to see it realized. Like, I love the idea that they were just like, what if we just put everything we own into one crazy game? You're like, yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah, do that. Let's see what happens. They definitely had the right people who um, who follow the Internet memes because they've got the super powered shaggy meme. Yeah. Like, I'm only using my 5% of my true power, man, kind of meme. <laughs> and it's uh, Matthew Lillard doing the voice, the guy who played Shaggy on uh, on the live action and when mm-hmm. has carried on and done the voice in the cartoons since then. Like, again, they're they're not cheap, no, cheaping out on this either. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, definitely very cool. I'm, I, I, I'm... I'm into the idea of it. We'll see what it actually comes out with when it comes out. But yeah, cool idea. Check it out. Check out the trailer. You're going to you're going to love this idea. Cool. All right. I mean, what you got? Mine is a uh, video essay by uh, Steve Shives. He's done uh, tons of these Star Trek essays, and I've actually uh, suggested a few of these before. Uh, today's is uh, why Weyoun might actually be Star Trek Deep Space Nine's best villain. And I think it's it's pretty convincing, and I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Jeffrey Combs, so I was kind of inclined to like this as it was, and I think he covers it pretty well. Of like this this villain who is definitely an antagonist and not even truly like an evil person, which might be the most insidious kind of villain to deal with. So who is Weyoun, like, in the show? He was the, if you remember the founders, the shapeshifters had um, the Jem'Hadar as the foot soldiers. And the people leading the Jem'Hadars as kind of like generals were the, yeah. the Vorta. Mm-hmm. And Jeffrey Combs was one of the Vorta. And he was fantastic. He was he was so smarmy and so scheming. He 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 was uh, I mean he was he stole the episode sometimes. He was so good. Is that the guy that played the the um Andorian on Enterprise as well? Like that's the, right. Uh, yes. That's right. And he was guy. the computer the evil computer on lower decks. Yep. Yeah, because the the Goldicott was was a huge villain, but I think this guy was way more. I thought he was sort of Kardashian-y kind of, yeah, not by race, but he race? definitely was like oh. he 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 was definitely playing the the three dimensional chess the whole show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Cool. All right. Well, mine is uh, this. Just as I was sitting here waiting for the, <laughs> the end end credits, uh, I had the TV running as I was getting ready to come over here and record the show, and a show came on called The Center Seat, and it's uh, narrated by Gates McFadden, um, and it's fifty five years of Star Trek. And this first episode I watched a little bit of was Lucy Loves Trek, and it's all about Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz and how Lucy you know, um, started the uh, Desi Lu production company. And then after she divorced uh, um, Desi Arnaz, she kept the the company and she's the one that financed. She was looking for something that would, uh, Desi invented the idea of re- reruns actually, right? He, um, 
he basically uh, said, you know, he wanted the rights to the reruns of the show. And then, well, sure enough, when, when Lucy went into reruns, uh, the studio had to pay him a million dollars. So the two of them you know, pocketed that money. And uh, when she divorced him, she made him where he had to buy out her her interest in the show, in the studio. So all about how she financed the uh, original Star Trek. But it's, uh, I don't know if you guys have heard about this show before. I hadn't. Um, but this is the first of, I think, seven episodes. The next one is about Saturday mor- the Saturday morning animated uh, series. Mm-hmm. And then there's uh, Trekking Through the 70s, you know, with Phase 2 in the motion picture. Phase 2 was... A lot of a lot of the costumes and stuff we saw later in the movies were things that were, and also in in uh, the next generation, were things that were invented for Star Trek Phase Two, which never saw the light of day. And then the fourth episode is about uh, Star Trek in the movies, you know, all you know, all the uh, Wrath of Khan and Search for Spock and the Voyage Home. Um, coming up in December is um, one called Dancing with Syndication in the Pale Moonlight. Just uh, you know, obviously that's. Uh, a Batman reference, right? Mm-hmm. And um, then uh, Voyager is the, so. The, the, sorry, the the um, Dancing with the Syndication is about Deep Space Nine, and the last one that's coming out on New Year's Eve is or day before penultimate New Year's Eve, whatever New Year's Eve Eve uh, is the Voyager of the Delta Quadrant or Voyage of the Delta Quadrant Quadrant, which is about the Voyager show. So interesting show. It's sort of um. You know, magazine style show where they talk about things, and they have you know people like Brett Spiner show up and with a beard on and and talk about you know Gene Roddenberry, what an amazing guy he was, and all that kind of stuff. So it's um, I have PVR'd it while we're recording here right now, and I'm going to go watch it after we're done. So cool. check that one out. And one one last thing for Yanksgiving, um, just in time for Yanksgiving, uh, Peter Jackson's Get Back is coming out. So if you're a Beatles fan or a music fan in any way, shape, or form. Uh, this is the movie about the making of the Let It Be album, which Paul McCartney had uh, filmed, and um, somebody I've forgotten who it was made a, made a, a movie out of it. And it sounded like the Beatles were like ready to kill each other, but apparently this Get Back series, which is like four episodes long, I think, uh, shows that the Beatles were actually at their at their creative height, um, even right to the end. So, and they were all apparently talking about solo projects while they were continuing to be Beatles. So, um, you know, it gives you a glimpse of what the, the power of this band was and what, and what we lost by them breaking up. Yeah. And it's, so, it looks amazing. Like the restoration of the, the film, cause they actually filmed it on film and then did the restoration. It, yeah. it looks like it was filmed yesterday. Like it's amazing and pardon the Beatles yeah. pun, but it, um, yeah. it, it, it's uncanny how vivid it looks. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. And, and I have, a. a a bootleg copy. I don't know if uh, Let It Be ever came out on DVD. I don't think it did. I think it probably came out on beta. But I have a copy that back in the early Netflix day or net. What was it called? And that place that we used to go and get uh, records and albums it was online. Uh, you know that guy uh, invented it in his college dorm room. Dorm room. Oh, Napster. Napster. Yeah, Napster. Thank you. Yeah, in the early Napster days, I managed to get a copy of this this uh, movie, and I have a DVD of it somewhere, or burned it to a seat to a CD or DVD. Uh, but yeah, and it's quite a different movie than than what this uh, apparently. Uh, even the trailer looks completely different than the. But you know, the same. It's the same footage, right? Um, so it's super cool. They've been they've been showing little clips of it over the last little while. Stuff has leaked out onto the YouTube, and um, you know, 
showing the early versions of songs that we know and love and how they kind of evolved and wrote them and stuff, you know, so looking forward to that one for sure. I know it's not part of our thing, but hey, it's interesting. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess that's it for another week. So, hey, if people want to get in touch with you, Jonathan, where would they find you? You can always find me on Twitter and Instagram as at JBK News. And hi, if people want to touch with you. I'm on Twitter as at Dev of the Hair. All right. And once again, my name is Tim Mitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A. On the Twitter machine is where you'll find me hanging out. So until next time, we'll see you in the future. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Spotcast Podcast. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the Spotcast website at spotcast.com. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at Spotcast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskSpotCast. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash spotcast. You can find details on how to help us on our website, spotcast.com slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the future. show kids it's over yeah so i just i forgot that i was watching um interesting too that i was talking about invasion last week right the the next episode came out and it was really it only focused on one one family uh this time uh, you know the main the main woman i was talking about last time but uh, yeah it was kind of an interesting uh twist in this uh, last episode um, but yeah still still pretty good compelling show I, I think it's probably coming up on its final show right like they do six episodes on Apple TV, or they don't do quite do as long series of shows, right? Yeah, I mean it depends. I mean I think uh, Ted Lasso was twelve, but it's a shorter. It's like only forty-five minute show. But right. then um, Foundation's only doing ten, but you think the cost has got to be like way higher. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Apparently, uh, Apple TV's got a, a bunch of uh, Academy Award nominations coming potentially, right? Apparently, the, the, the Macbeth um, is coming to Apple TV, the one with um, Denzel Washington. Mm-hmm. And Frances McDormand, apparently she is in running for another nomination. So they're re- releasing theatrically so they can get eligible? Uh, oh, yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. You, you have to have at least a certain amount of time in a theater. That's part, a theater, of the, yeah. part of the deal for an Oscar nomination. You had to actually, yeah, it, it has to it run in L.A. County for a duration of time and a certain number of showings. Yeah, I, I, they must be doing that. Let me just see. And then um, something else, too. Yeah, but there's, there's a few shows that, that, that are out that are looking like they could potentially go. Um, what's it called? Like Beth, right? Hated that book in high school. <laughs> uh, this is Fastbinder. No, it's not the one. Tragedy Macbeth. Yeah, here it is. Twenty twenty one. The Scottish play, right? It's that's what it's known as. Said that, yeah. In states.
Yeah, I don't know. Is it is it coming to theaters? I thought it was actually coming to theaters, to be honest. With you. And again, it doesn't have to play like why it doesn't have to be released everywhere. What it has to be is released in L.A. County for a duration of time. That's how you qualify. So yeah. you can be put on a little art house theater for a duration of time and qualify. And that's what Netflix has been doing with some of its movies. That's how they get qualified for it. And um, even like the Amazons with the Amazon stuff, they you don't have to have the wide window. You can basically keep it as a, a platform exclusive, more or less, as long as you play it for that duration in that place at that stretch of time. And Ghostbusters comes out next week? This week. Yeah. But we don't have a Thursday off next week. What are we going to do about that? I don't know. That's when we maybe go see we'll movies see anyway. is Wednesday nights at maybe random. We'll go, maybe we'll go anyway. Yeah. That's, now we're talking crazy. Tragically Macbeth. What does it say about that? Uh, buy tickets. Is it in theater now? Coming soon, it says. 98 on the tomato meter. Yeah, I know um, some of the stuff, they're giving them pretty pretty short windows in the theaters, too. They're, they're not lasting long because, again, they, depending on where you live right now, going to the theater could be a, a less than ideal choice. Yeah, yeah. But it is the only way to avoid Marvel's social media oh, channels from spoiling on everything on you. So it releases on Christmas, so they must be doing a Christmas run. Ah, uh, yeah, that makes sense. In the theaters, yeah. Because it does say buy tickets here. I still think that that is my favorite Christmas tradition is all of my Jewish friends were like, yeah, Christmas is awesome. We eat Chinese food and go to the movies. It's fantastic. I'm like, yeah, can I do that yeah. instead of doing all the stuff I yeah. have to do? Yeah. No. That's the Damn it. Listen, no you guys can't all live forever. Someday that's going to be a family tradition. Yeah. <laughs> Grandpa wants to go to the movies and eat Chinese food. Shut up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But grandma won't let him. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Mm-hmm. All right. Oh, okay. Talk to you later. All right. See you guys. See you later. Bye. 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 Bye.